Welcome to The Great Exchange, a podcast about exchanging the lies that we bleed for God's truth. I'm your host, Brady Cohn, and joining me this morning is our co-host, Jason Wilson. Glad to be here, Brady. How's it going today, Jason? It's going well, man. Good. Last time we recorded these, I think there was a ton of snow, and, and now Yes, and now actually spread. some nice weather. So and, yeah. uh, some of our listeners, or if you're watching the video, you might see that we're on opposite sides of the table this time. <laughs> that is true. But that's not by accident. Which, according to you know, for our our Calvinist friends, nothing's by accident, <laughs> so it's predestined. But I, I, I had a humbling moment last night. So as I've been watching these videos, and when I watch other things, I'm in. Uh, it's like I'm horrified at my lack of hair these days. Oh man! And so it's 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 horrible. And last night I went and got my hair trimmed up, and the barber lady actually said that I should just give up and cut it all <laughs> off. And that, that was pretty horrifying. And so oh. I did some experimentation in mirrors last night. And I think that my hair looks better from this side. Go for it. And so I'm trying to hold on to every moment that I can. And so, uh, um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. You know, I experienced something similar when I realized I was losing my hair that I really needed to believe the gospel. Yes. And like it, it I've, really it's gonna it wrecked be a, me a bit. Yeah. It's going to be a hard gospel moment for me when <laughs> when it goes. And so it's like, all right, Jesus, I guess I'm trusting in you for this. Do you, do you think that in the eternal age you'll have a full head of hair? Well, you know, if everything is restored to perfection, then yes. If I, Jesus I loves I me, I guess I've always been insecure about my hair. And yep. so, uh, and way too consumed with, with, with looks. And I've gone through phases in life where... I idolized that and was very insecure. And so um, it'll be a hard day when my hair goes, but I think the day is coming sooner than oh, later. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm praying so, for you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> discipleship is costly. It is. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that today, the cost of discipleship. Man, fun topic. Yes. So I think that I, I bring this up when I speak at churches a lot, that we need to, when we're ministering to the LGBTQ community, and we're just talking about these issues, and we're talking about walking alongside people and how to respond to the world out there and how to uh, respond to the people inside our churches who are struggling. I think one of the things we don't always do is understand the burden and the, the deep cost that we're asking people to go through for the sake of repentance. Uh, for someone who's living in the LGBTQ life, you know, they're, they're gay or lesbian, whatever that looks like for them, for them to come to repentance and walk in a way of holiness is some big burdens. There's some big costs there. It might be uh, they're, they're leaving a relationship with someone that they truly love. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we want that for them because we want God's best for them. But there is so many levels of of pain and untangling that has to happen and sometimes we're asking people to leave their friendships and their community and a place where they belong in a place where they feel included and valued and so as the church we need to provide people with that type of community like when we have Jesus at the center of our community it should go it, it should be beyond what they could possibly experience anywhere else yeah and so I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I wanted to ask you about today is you think about, say, for instance, we're talking about just sexual sin. If there was a heterosexual couple living together, it does feel like in that relationship, um, that relationship almost 
as they pursue Jesus and repentance and begin to live the gospel, that relationship actually has potential to get really healthy and Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Whereas in an LBGTQ relationship, it would be moving away from that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, you know, a lot of times I talk about leveling the playing field and understanding that many of the the much of the idolatry and dysfunction behind a uh, same-sex relationship and that attraction is the same idolatry behind so much heterosexual attraction of looking to a person for my value and my hope Mm. and my wholeness. But you're completely right there. When we're counseling or ministering to a heterosexual couple, in most cases, that relationship is redeemable. If they come to know Christ, they can glorify God in that relationship and build Mm -hmm. it into something that God wants it to be. Whereas it's a very different goal with a same-sex couple in that as they're growing in their relationship with Christ, they should be growing apart from each other. And that the end there is is separation. Uh, And that's hard. And that's a burden that many of us uh, don't understand and many people in the church don't understand that that comes with a unique set of pain, a unique set of, of burdens to bear that we need to be bearing with them. And that's one reason why it's just, there's lots of nuances in how that plays out in ministry. And a lot of times if you have a heterosexual couple who's not believers and you're trying to invest in them, you invest in them together. And mm-hmm. I've seen that um with a same-sex couple, if you're trying to invest in them, that investment and discipleship usually has to happen separately mm-hmm. because with a couple, you're trying to get them to grow closer together with the Lord as the foundation. And when, But with a same-sex couple, as you're counseling them, they should be growing apart from each other. And usually that happen, that doesn't happen congruently at the same time. It's like one of them is much more open to the the ways of the Lord and is growing their relationship with mm-hmm. the Lord. And so they really have to be separated from their partner because if they're in the same room together during this discipleship kind of counseling, the one who is not as open to the Lord is going to be holding on to that relationship and can be undermining the discipleship process because obviously they're holding on to this person. Sometimes that will play out in a heterosexual relationship, if they're especially if they're not married. And so right. many times you're counseling someone and they're not married, the one partner is uh, um, going down this journey towards Christ and the other, their, their boyfriend is not at all open to it. And maybe that relationship needs to end. If the boyfriend is not at all open to the gospel, but now you have the woman who is a believer, so they sh- they're probably going to be growing apart. Our, our initial goal in that is that they both come to the Lord. Their relationship might be redeemable, sure. but that's never going to be the case with a same-sex relationship. Right. Well, let me tell you something I wrestle with a bit is uh, just even pastorally, I'm not that this has happened to me, but I've talked to other pastors who have had this happen where let's say there's a same sex couple that starts attending their church. And obviously the pastor is gracious and kind. And, you know, he's not up there talking about sexuality every week, but this couple is, they're attending church. Uh, they feel welcomed, you know, uh, everything's going great. How do you, so there's that aspect, and he obviously wants them to grow in their love of Jesus and begin to follow Christ. Uh, but at the same time, there's that tension of, you know, where Jesus is like, hey, you got to lay everything down and follow me. Yeah. So where's that? I mean, just in your experience, and, you know, I feel like you're much more of an expert on this than me. Where is that tension of grace for someone to 
uh, allow the spirit to begin to work in their lives. And we see kind of sanctification happen versus like, I just don't see how it's going to be like, Hey, all right. You know, you've been attending this church for a while. It's time for you guys to break up, especially if they have children yeah, involved. Absolutely. Like, I feel like it, it feels absolutely. so there's such a tension there. there so of, like, it's a balance there. of, yeah. you know, how would you advise churches? Yeah. You know, to even and, navigate and that's that. where our naturally we just want that to be easy, and the easy way is uh, some hard and fast rules and expectations right now. And most of the time, that's just going to push them away. Right. And so, walking alongside in grace on God's timeline with them is really, really hard because you're going to end up with conversations of, oh, they want to be a member, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, we we can't let these people be members yet when they're still living in sexual sin, just like we would with heterosexuals. Right. But, uh, but the, like I said, the cost of the heterosexuals is much less correct, probably to, uh, to come to a good place. And so there is this tension and we can't just have our own timeline on them. We have to disciple them. And then when those hard conversations happen, that's going to be some sticky situations to navigate. And we pray that we have built the relational capital with them to get over those barriers because that's going to be a hard conversation when they want to become a member or whatever the the, step is they want to take. And it's like, oh man, like we can't take that step with them until this area of their life is dealt with. And so we, we need to have shown that we love them so deeply and we've gotten them so involved in our community and we're living life with them that, that the relational capital we've built helps overcome some of those barriers and keeps them engaged as we have those those difficult conversations but that that takes time and when someone comes to know christ their homosexuality is not always the first thing that they repent of because it's sometimes one of the deepest most all-encompassing and their heart can be hard-hearted in that area because it's been such a hard journey and so Mm -hmm. they might be softened to other areas of the gospel first and they might come to know Christ at some point and still not have the, the strength and the maturity to walk away from that life. And so we have to understand the, the complexity and the nuances of that. And I think you bring up a very difficult situation of what if there's kids involved, these two women, and they might be married uh, legally and they have kids together. What do we do with that? And I think that some some pastors would disagree with me on this, but I think that if we're going to have a gospel approach, where we have to go is that our ultimate goal is that these two people don't end up together. And that is very, very hard because um, ultimately it's like this, this uh, on the surface, it seems like this family is being torn apart. And they, 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 they are. Right. And it's like, do we really want that as Christians? But... When we look at this situation, what is going to be best for these kids to have two parents who are living together in a perpetual state of sin and dysfunction or two parents who aren't together, who are both following Jesus, mm-hmm. who have who have repented of their sin and both have wholeness in Christ. And so we've kind of created this situation where with with two women being married or two men being married, having kids where it is never going to be the ideal it is sure. never going to be the ideal family structure that God God has for them. Uh, just like when there's a heterosexual couple that's divorced, like both those people, they can find massive amounts of redemption and grace and, and repentance. And maybe they will never be back together and maybe they're remarried and there's stepmoms and stepdads. And so this 
you know, I, I hear a lot of Christians complaining, oh, these people like, you know, they, 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 kids weren't meant to have two moms or two dads. Like, well, we do that all the time with heterosexual situations sure. when there's divorce and remarriages mm-hmm. and it's never going to be the ideal, but this, the situation can still be redeemed in so many remarkable ways when the parents involved are following Christ, mm-hmm. even though they may never be married again. And so the family structure isn't the ideal, but God's grace is sufficient to still redeem and restore the situation and have it be glorifying to God. And so I believe that we can apply those same principles to these complex situations where you have two men or two women and there's children involved. And that's where we need to understand the very heavy burdens. And mm-hmm. that's where we have two women who are uh, our ultimate goal is for them to be separated. And that's going to be difficult for these kids involved, even mm. though it's the best thing for them in the long run. That's where we need the church to step up right. and we need to bear these burdens. We need to step into their lives and, and be a father to the fatherless. Sure. And we need to maybe give them a place to live and invite them into our home, invite them into our families and understand that their family is not just this mom and this mom, but we are all their family and we right. need to act like it. Yeah, yeah. So what advice would you just give the uh, churches who are navigating that? Just be gracious? Absolutely. Be gracious, but also uh, be intentional. I think be gracious, but be intentional and help them move towards the next step. And that's where it would be so much easier if we could just have a uh, hard and fast timeline of like, oh, within six months, they need to repent and this is how their life should look like. But it's as with everyone, the journey is different for everyone. The amount of time it takes to come to a good place and find wholeness in different areas of our life is different. And that's where the tension comes in because we have to trust in his timeline. And so as we're gracious throughout the process, it's really easy to use being graceful as an excuse of being passive Mm -hmm. in this situation. And like, well, we're not going to press into that. We're just going to, we're just going to show them grace. Which that takes a lot of relational capital. Absolutely. So that takes a lot of this relational capital, capital and prayer and being intentional on entering into the mess of their life and, uh, and making sure that we're helping them move towards next steps. And we're looking for opportunities uh, for discipleship of helping them untangle what their heart has tangled and helping them find wholeness in Christ and looking for little windows uh, to their soul to where we can proclaim gospel truth and really unravel this entire situation. So there's a massive amount of grace that uh, we can't use grace as an excuse for not being intentional with the discipleship of them. Sure. And now have you seen personally, have you seen uh, couples go through this? Oh yeah, absolutely. And how did that just play out? I mean, obviously I don't yeah. want names or anything like that. Yeah. But... There's, there's times when it doesn't end well. Sure. And the, just like with all of ministry and the couples end up disengaging from church, disengaging from Christian community, staying together. And that's, that's heartbreaking. Just like it is with anyone who uh, we try to draw them in to our community and our family and ultimately a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And when they count the cost, they're not willing to pay it and sure. they, they walk away. And so, so I see that happen. I see situations happen where uh, both of them come to know Christ and they, they, they separate and that 
is a complex, difficult process, but the church is there uh, for them uh, and walking along beside both of them, sometimes maybe living with families inside the church separately so that they can have intense, you know, day-to-day community and family to to live with. I see the church ministering to their kids in that, and it's like, you know, ends up being this shared custody that's, that's difficult, but in those situations where it is really successful and there's there's deep repentance and growth both of them come out the other side saying absolutely mm-hmm. we could have not have come to this place with jesus if we we're still together because there was an emotional and usually obviously sexual dysfunction that was hindering their relationship with god mm-hmm. and to find wholeness with christ they couldn't have done that if they were still living in the same house, living with the same emotional dependency on each other. And when the church steps in and bears those burdens with them and gives them the, the family that they need, the discipleship that they need, Galatians 6 says to bear one another's burdens. And right. those are some huge burdens that we need to have compassion for and step into their lives, step into their lives with their kids. And there's also situations where one partner goes down this road of walking with Christ and the other partner doesn't. That's that's diff- that's obviously even more difficult, but the partner who does, even though they're not together and might have to share custody of the kids and that's difficult, when that happens, I still see the end result as this is fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. And one parent who is following Christ and being obedient to God and, and showing repentance uh, is better than zero parents who sure. are repentant. And yeah. it's never going to be the ideal situation for these kids. But God's grace is sufficient where the ideal is lacking because of our choices. But it's always going to be a better situation when there's repentance, even if it's only from one party involved. Sure. And so, and it's many times those situations end up with one person who is angry and bitter towards the church because they blame sure. the church for, yep. you ruined my relationship. Absolutely. You ruined, just like in heterosexual marriages where there's an abusive situation and you help get the wife out of that. And the abuse means that the wife needs to physically leave this situation. And you have an angry husband who is just belligerent towards the church. He blames the church for ruining his marriage. Sure. Like you deal with those situations and, uh, and sometimes that's the result of these situations. And we, we lean into it and we minister to both. We set up the boundaries that are needed for everyone involved to to thrive sure. uh, in their relationship with God. But that is going to take a massive amount of time and grace and intentionality in the entire body of Christ coming around these people. Yeah, and I would say too, just even I mean, just expand this conversation out a little more. Anybody, regardless of their sexuality, or, or you know. There should be an element of discipleship that feels a little, I don't know the right word here, constrictive or difficult um, or challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do think there is a tension in following Jesus. It's, yeah. As far as discipleship, that part of it is a cross to bear and part of it is a joy to fellowship with Christ, right? So Absolutely. It's, it's both of those, whether that's Definitely. how they're managing their time, their entertainment, their finances. Yeah. Sacrifice. There, there should be some area in our lives where we're like, all right, this is a constraint, but I know that Jesus is working this out for my good and his glory. Definitely. Like in any aspect of our life. And it I be think somewhere it's, in our it's lives. so hard because we have such a cheap 
easy Christianity in this country mm-hmm. where it's so much consumerist driven, where you show up to church and consume a product, mm-hmm. whereas Christianity is a deep death to self. Right. And so there's always should be a place where we're having to die to ourselves. And there's the mm-hmm. tension that we feel. And we have we have the body of Christ to walk along beside us in that. It's like, I have things all the time. What I do with my time, what I do with my money, what I do with how I treat my wife, uh, how I raise my daughter, that Mm -hmm. there's always tension and there should always be places where I'm feeling conviction and where I have to rely on God. Like, God, I need you to grow me in this area. I need you to show me the way because I can't do this on my own. And I need fellow Christians to come along beside me. And most of us, if we're not feeling that tension in some place in our life, we've gotten too comfortable and we're probably just really consuming Christianity instead of bearing our cross to follow Christ. Right. It's where the church, if you're, I think, and obviously there's grace and people are going to be in different stages of their discipleship Mm -hmm. to Jesus. But I do feel like when you, when you put on that, um, kind of like the cross of discipleship, that's where the church really does become more beautiful to a person because, because if you're carrying no burden in following Jesus, then the church really does become more of a a commodity or something you like kind of just add to your life versus, well, I need the church to come in because I'm trying to follow Jesus and I need them. If we don't need the church, then there is a problem in our discipleship. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, uh, I've had so many moments in life and sometimes on a day-to-day basis where it's like, I don't know how I can do this, but I need Jesus to Mm -hmm. get me through this day, to be obedient to what he's calling me to today. And part of needing Jesus to, for my obedience is needing his people and Amen. so I need his people to walk along beside me because I can't do this. And I need his people to speak into me hard things that right. my flesh doesn't want to hear and then uh, bear those burdens with me yeah. and, and give me encouragement and hope and a place where I can belong and be loved and a family that's so much deeper than anything else, I could, any other relationships I could experience on earth. Right. And I feel like I say this all the time you know, at our church, but like the church is a gift. Mm-hmm. Like. And I, I know a lot of people have legitimate horror stories absolutely. of the church. There's so but, many of us who have been hurt by church. Yes, absolutely. But when the church is actually functioning well, yeah. it is a beautiful gift. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it can be a pain, like a, maybe not painful, but difficult because there is going to be that guy who irritates you yep. or that lady that just talks way yep. too much. And you're just like, and, oh my goodness. But Jesus is using them, even in their annoyances, yeah. To form Christ in us, like it, it is a gift. There, we we always joke in seminary when someone was really annoying us, or sometimes even hurting us, or just you know the type of person's like, oh man, do I have to deal with this person again? Do I really have to live with this person? Uh, you know, uh, not mentioning any names, but uh, <laughs> but it's like it's revealing something in ourselves. And so when we're so annoyed by people at church, uh, it's like, it's usually like, man, like that's when we can love people. We can die to ourselves to love people because it's not a social club. It's dying to ourselves to love God's people. And I, when it comes to this, this cost of discipleship, I, I don't think that we understand the depth that we're supposed to walk along beside people to bear their burdens. Cause mm. we've had some pretty cheap grace in our country because most of us have pretty comfortable lives. And so understanding the depth and the church is a beautiful, beautiful thing when we walk alongside others and enter their mess. And that's why we can't make these things into just a cheap one-liner. I, when it comes to sexuality issues, we want to just argue on Facebook. We have all these cheap one-liners. It's like, no, like these are deep, deep burdens that are 
that people are bearing. And so we need to have nuanced answers, nuanced conversations, do a lot more listening than we do speaking to understand what people's burdens are, what their cost of discipleship is so that we can be equipped to die to ourselves Mm -hmm. to walk alongside them. Yeah. And uh, just, I guess my closing comment would be too, is we talked earlier about what, whoever it is, um, it takes a lot of relational capital. And Mm -hmm. I know in my life when people have spoken hard truths to me or yeah. difficult things. Yeah. If I really believe they love me, yeah. like I, it's amazing how well I can receive that. Well, this person isn't trying to manipulate me. Uh-huh. They're not trying to control me because I do have an aversion to being controlled. Yeah, right? I'm, probably most people do. Yeah. But if I'm like, wow, this person actually wants me to grow definitely. in Jesus. Uh-huh. And even if I don't agree with them, I have so much more grace when I feel like they love me. Yeah. And I would say just, yeah. let's be known for our love. Definitely. Like, like, and there's a, there's up, a handful know? of men in my life. Uh, my friend, Mike, who I just saw yesterday, who spoke some good truth in my life and encouragement and my friend, Tyler and my friend, Kyle. It's like, these are guys where they can tell me hard things because they've loved me so deeply. Right. It's like, I've lived in Kyle's basement when I was homeless and he hardly knew me. And, uh, you know, he invited me to live in his basement with his family. And Tyler walked alongside me through difficult, difficult things. And Mike and his family took me in after my house burned down. I lived with his family for a year and these people have walked beside me through difficult things. Therefore they have enough relational capital to speak difficult truth in my life when I need it. So last question. Yes. Um, cause I know we're short on time, but would it be better for someone to remain silent if they didn't have the relational capital or to go ahead and, and speak hard truths? Um, I think, uh, build the relational capital and first. you have to, yeah, you have to build a relational capital first. And if that person, as you get to know them, when they want to have a conversation, absolutely. If just as someone walks in the door of my church, if I'm the pastor, it's like, I'm not just going to pull them aside right then. Like, I mean, if they're doing something, I don't know if they're doing something inappropriate right then, obviously right. I'm going to public. protect, publicly protect sure. my flock. But it's like, if I, if there's visible sin in their life, I'm at least going to start out by taking them to coffee, hearing their story, trying to understand what's going on. If two men or two women walk in the door who are obviously in a relationship, I'm not just going to pull them aside after church and say, I want you guys to repent. I want to invite them into relationship right. so that I can I can love them through the process and hear where they're at, hear their story, and, and try to understand deep things in their heart so I know how to apply the gospel to that. No, that's good, Brady. So I think that's a great place to end it. So yeah. thank you, Jason. You're one of those yeah. pastors who is doing a great job of discipling people well, inviting people into your life. You invite me into your life, into your home. And uh, and so you're one of those people who can say deep things to me and say hard things to me if you need to, because you've built that relational capital. Yeah. So yeah. thank Thanks, you. Brady. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Great Exchange. And I trust that as you go out throughout your week, you can exchange the lies that you have believed for, for God's truth. Thank you for joining us. And also as a reminder, please uh, uh, give us good reviews online on whatever platforms you're listening. We're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And so give us some good reviews, share with your friends. We'd appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.